Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you guys. As you know, we have been working our way through the uh, Gospel of Mark, and today we come to the end of Mark chapter 10. And at this moment in Mark's Gospel, Jesus is on the long journey from Judea to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. And our passage is the last story that Mark tells before Jesus enters into Jerusalem for the last week of his life. And in a sense, Mark intends for this story to serve as a bookend. It's meant to sum up the picture of discipleship that Mark has been painting for us since chapter 8. So with that in mind, I'm going to read our passage, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. It's uh, printed in your order of worship. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of God, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is God's word given to us for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that you would speak your word to us, your living word to us, and that you would give us life through it. Father, that you would open our eyes in whatever state they're in, whether we are followers of you or not, whether we are in doubt or we feel like we're in the midst of fear, we pray that you would open our eyes and that you would give us your hope this morning. Speak your comfort into our hearts. And Father, we thank you that you are not blind to the things going on in us right now and around us in our world, that you're not deaf to the cries for help for those in southeast Texas enduring Hurricane Harvey. Father, I pray that you would be with your people. And Father, that you would rescue them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know this is common knowledge, but uh, it's still a little mind-boggling to me that you can buy just about anything on the Internet. My wife, uh, Rachel, is taking an anatomy and physiology class, and this past week, one of her assignments was to obtain a cow eye and dissect it at home. So, of course, she went online, um, the World Wide Web, and found a place where she could order a preserved cow eye with all the tools that she needed to dissect it. It's still amazing to me. There's actually a market for this. So it arrived on our doorsteps, our doorstep, and we sat down as a family at the kitchen table, put on gloves, and learned about the different parts as she dissected this ginormous cow eye. Now, despite what I would have thought, um, it actually was really fun. 
even our four-year-old, even our four-year-old daughter Nora, who ran out of the room every five minutes to gag, uh, was intrigued enough to keep coming back for the show. Now, obviously, the point of having to do this assignment is to be able to better uh, appreciate the many parts and the muscles and the nerves that work together in perfect harmony in order for us to be able to interact visually with our world. We also learned that if just one tiny thing goes wrong with the nerves, the veins, or the lens, we can lose this incredibly important asset. Now we have no idea what caused Bar Bartimaeus's blindness. But we do know the tragic effect of blindness in the world in which he lived. A loss of vocation, social isolation, and humiliation. Now, though he clearly had a sharp mind and a sound body, in Jesus' day, begging was the only occupation available to him. Blindness is the only reason that Bartimaeus is on the side of the road. But what we'll see as we spend time unraveling this story is that often the loss of one sense causes us to be more attentive to others. Despite Bartimaeus' blindness, or maybe because of it, he seems to understand with a strangely piercing perception who Jesus is in a way that's not accessible to many others. We could say that Bartimaeus has a sixth sense so let's jump into our passage. The crowds continue to surround Jesus as he slowly makes his way into Jerusalem. And on his way out of Jericho, which was the start of an arduous 18-mile trek uphill, he passes by a blind beggar who is sitting by the roadside, hoping, hoping that pilgrims who are on their way to the holy city would pity him and spare some change. Now, this is not the first time that we hear about Jesus encountering a blind man in Mark's gospel. But it is the first time that a person who is healed by Jesus is mentioned by name in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. In fact, Mark is very specific. This is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. This is a way of honoring Bartimaeus. It also means that Mark wants us to pay close attention. So here's Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, and he hears the commotion around him and a report that Jesus of Nazareth is coming his way. And he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what strikes me is how Bartimaeus goes from hearing about Jesus of Nazareth to calling him Jesus, son of David. This is the only time this royal messianic title is used in Mark's gospel, and it comes from the mouth of this blind beggar. Unlike the disciples who haven't really understood what Jesus is about, with Bartimaeus there is a kind of instant recognition of who Jesus is and what this could mean for his life. The whole scene evokes God's promise in Isaiah 42. God says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth 
These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Bartimaeus, in his blindness, can see the light of God's promise with a clarity that evades so many in the Gospels. I mean, think about it. Who else responds to Jesus' invitation like this? It's a leper, a woman who is considered unclean because of a bleeding disorder, those whose loved ones have incurable diseases who are on the brink of death, the little children. It is those who understand their desperation. This is why in the Beatitudes, Jesus flips worldly wisdom on its head by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they blessed? Because they are crystal clear about their need for Jesus. So we see in Bartimaeus the blessed working out of the last shall be first and the first last. Now far from honoring Bartimaeus, many in the crowd that day began to rebuke him, telling him to be silent. They try and throttle his cries for help by telling him to shush, be quiet, the rabbi is busy. But I think it's important for us to remember that this blind beggar depends on the crowds. He depends on their daily generosity. He needs their approval to be able to stick around. To some degree, he is risking life and livelihood for a chance at new life. And so Bartimaeus cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And his poverty of spirit, which in his case comes from actual poverty and vision loss, has brought him so low that he isn't bound by social convention or societal rules. He makes everyone uncomfortable when he cries out to Jesus. Just like the parents made the disciples uncomfortable when they were bringing their children to Jesus so that he might touch them earlier in our chapter. And as Bartimaeus cries out, Mark says in verse 49, Jesus stopped. Literally, the text reads, and Jesus stood still. This is the turning point in our story. Jesus brings his rescue mission to a halt for one man. And even, the sh- even though the shadow of the cross is looming large, and Jesus' time is running short, and he has things to do on the order of the cosmos, we see that Bartimaeus matters to Jesus. You see, like Bartimaeus, our hope is that our king stops for us. He stops. He looks at us and he calls us by name and he tells us to come to him. And by his word, we are healed. You see, Mark is showing us that we are his mission and the objects of his self-giving love. He stops for you. For your cries for help 
and for mercy. He stops to heal our darkness with the light of his love. And as with Bartimaeus, when he, when we call to him for mercy, Jesus will never look past us. He will never treat our coming to him as an interruption. In fact, it's what creates a pathway in our hearts towards him. Bartimaeus' maker stops and he turns his gaze upon him. Not because of what's in him, but because of what's in Jesus. Streams of unending mercy. And so Jesus tells someone to call Bartimaeus and they run over to him and say, Good news. Come on, get up. He's calling you. And he springs up to his feet and he's led over to Jesus who asks him, What do you want me to do for you? Now if you feel like this question sounds familiar, that's because it is. It is the same question that Jesus asked James and John in the previous story. And I want to get back to that in a bit. But in Bartimaeus' case, this seems like a ridiculous question. I mean, I imagine the crowds of people standing near Jesus saying to themselves, Seriously? I'm Jesus. He's blind. So why would Jesus ask a question with such an obvious answer? He knew better than anyone that Bartimaeus yearned to be set free from the darkness that had overwhelmed his life. But imagine if Bartimaeus had been brought over to Jesus, and then without, and then without a word, Jesus healed him, and then he went on his way. What would be lost? Well, I'd like to suggest that the thing that would be lost is the thing that we have been made for. Relationship. Connection. Communion with the living God. The question, what do you want me to do for you, is really an invitation for Bartimaeus to do the work of naming the darkness. Jesus' question isn't a blank check but an invitation to dialogue with his maker. Bartimaeus is getting invited into a conversation about his deepest wants, his despair, and his faith. Dr. Dan Allender writes, We know from theology and psychology alike that growth comes to the degree to, the degree to which we are able to acknowledge that things are not the way that they are supposed to be. In doing so, we permit ourselves the opportunity to imagine what our lives and the world might look like if all of this pain and harm we have undergone will not have the last word. Jesus is inviting this man to name the suffering and the darkness and the evil that has so drastically altered the landscape of his life. And of course, Naming the darkness is risky. Artemis would have lived his life knowing that others were passing him by, judging him even while they pitied him. Elsewhere in the Gospels, the disciples asked Jesus about another blind man. Who sinned, 
this man or his parents that he was born blind. And Jesus sets them right, saying emphatically, neither. But the general assumption of his day was that Bartimaeus or someone close to him was to blame for his condition. Now we will never know on this side what was going through Bartimaeus's mind that day. But I have little doubt that there was a tiny voice that whispered, don't do it. Don't risk it. Protect yourself. Don't make yourself more vulnerable than you already are. Because this is what shame does. Shame is one of evil's most effective weapons to silence us and shut us down. It is where Satan divides our hearts most effectively from God, from one another, and from our own selves. But for Bartimaeus, faith in this moment means having the courage to denounce the voice of shame and entrust his darkness to Jesus. Faith is the courage to trust that Jesus is not limited by our limitations. Faith is resting in the presence of Jesus' goodness and power. And Bartimaeus is enacting faith when he says to Jesus, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. He is enacting faith by allowing himself, maybe for the first time, to imagine, to hope, to ask Jesus to make straight what is crooked in this world. And so Jesus responds, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus on the way. In a blink of an eye, Jesus transforms Bartimaeus from a blind beggar beside the road to a disciple on the road with him. Now, I mentioned earlier that I'd get back to Jesus asking James and, James and John the same question he asked Bartimaeus. You see, the repetition of his question links these two stories together. And as we compare and contrast them, we learn something surprising. That this story isn't about Bartimaeus giving the right answer. And the previous story wasn't about James and John giving the wrong answer. Rather, these stories are about Jesus and what happens when we enter into dialogue with him and invite him to change us. Jesus asks us the same question this morning. What do you want me to do for you? Think about that. What do you want me to do for you? I've been pondering this question since Pastor Dan asked us to reflect on it last week. And I'd have to say that my first response is more like James and John's request than Bartimaeus. Jesus, I want my life to be easier. I want you to remove the difficult situations in my life. I want to feel fulfilled. I want you to ensure my kids' safety and their flourishing. And of course... All of these things are really good desires. But I am asking them as my attempt at getting home. Getting and finding my way home back at the beginning when the world was all that it was meant to be. 
In answering this question, we risk exposing what's in the darkness for a chance at healing in the light. And for those of us who have an inkling of a desire to want to follow Jesus, this is a crucial step to bringing our whole selves into the walk of discipleship. Now, despite what you and I might think, it is not better for Jesus just to fix our lives without our engagement with him. Like Bartimaeus, if Jesus just fixes the broken places in our lives and we don't have a conversation with him, our hearts are not made whole. But the good news for Bartimaeus that day and the good, and good, the good news for us this morning is that Jesus does not leave us where he finds us. When we bring our real hurts and our desires into conversation with him, he begins to shape us into people through whom he brings his kingdom. And I, for one, begin to see my desire, the thing that I long for, with fresh eyes. I become able to see and confess where I have not loved, where it's my desire for my own way that leads to the difficult situations in my life where I want ease more than I want to be made like him, where I desire security for myself and my family, but not so concerned about the well-being of others. Don't you see, it's in this dialogue that he changes my heart and my prayer and points me towards what true wholeness in him looks like. What I really want Jesus to do for me is not to make my life easier What I really want is shalom. It is healing. It is to teach me kindness. It is to enlarge my heart with generosity, to make me into a person that doesn't keep score, who is freed from the shackles to need to compare my life and competencies to others. He uses this question to show me how to walk with him, to shape me into a person who reflects his love, his goodness, and his power. You see, this is what happens to James and John. If you remember, Jesus says no to the requests for power and privilege when they answer this question. But they stay in conversation. They stay in relationship with him. And he shapes them into men whose influence comes from being the servants of all. I love this story. The story of Bartimaeus is a story, is a beautiful story of faith and discipleship. It is one part of the tapestry that Mark is weaving together for us, a tapestry of, of what it means that Jesus is remaking the whole world. And this story invites you and me to come along as disciples on the road that he is taking. Because Jesus is heading somewhere. He is heading to the cross and to resurrection day. And the cross will take into account every crooked way, every bit of darkness that Bartimaeus' blindness points to, and the wholeness that we all long for is what his death and resurrection and ascension is going to accomplish for us. And you know what? At the end of the story, 
King Jesus sits on his throne and he cries out, Behold, I am making all things new. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this short but incredibly beautiful story of your power and your grace and your mercy to heal the deepest darkness in us and in our world. Father, I pray that each one of us, that you would give us the ability and the faith to be able to trust in your goodness, to see that you are good, that you are for us, that you have come to show your great love for us, and that by naming the darkness, Father, that we would be healed. Would you do that for each one of us here this morning? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.